Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. I have a a very different one today, uh, which by definition means for a change. My guest is Rob Delaney. Uh, Rob is best known as the co-creator, co-writer, and co-star of Catastrophe, the extremely popular and critically acclaimed Amazon sitcom now seen in 130 countries. Uh, They did four brilliant seasons, and uh, a number of uh, years back, Rob was recognized at the Comedy Central Comedy Awards as the funniest person on Twitter which is no mean feat because there are, I, I would imagine, literally thousands of people on Twitter. But his tweets were uh, like, uh, sometimes I put dog poop in the toilet at work so the guys don't think I only went in there to cry. And after he won that coveted award, Rob wrote a book, Mother, Wife, Sister, Human, Warrior, Falcon, Yardstick, turban cabbage that was both very funny but also very dark and frank about his uh, struggles with alcoholism and and depression now my daughter gave me that book mainly because she really liked it and i loved it and at the time i was i was depressed i was this was not long after i left the senate and i did not know rob and i still really don't know him but at at one point there, I got his email, and I can't recall how, but I emailed him to see if if we could talk, and he wrote back that he couldn't really do that, and it wasn't a good time for him, and I learned not long after that his two-year-old son, Henry, was dying from a brain tumor, and you know, I felt stupid that I had contacted him. Then about Six months ago, I learned that he had written the book that we're discussing on this podcast, The Heart That Works, about Henry being diagnosed shortly after his first birthday and the next 18 months of his life and of his family's life. Uh, Henry had two older brothers, little boys. I was just blown away uh, by how raw and honest and angry and and funny uh sometimes you see i'd been sent an advanced copy of of a heart that works and i i emailed rob again and asked if he could join me as a guest to discuss a heart that works and and he wrote back saying that he'd love to and in that email he apologized for not getting back to me when i had first written to him and i responded that that was the most ridiculous apology ever written and i think you can tell that this one is very different and i really think you'll be kind of blown away by this one for a change before we start that conversation uh just going to comment on a couple developments this week the respect of marriage act made necessary by this illegitimate 6-3 supreme court In his concurring opinion on Dobbs, Clarence Thomas wrote that the court should revisit Obergefell, the 2015 decision which legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. When Obergefell uh, passed the court, I wrote a uh, press release that I ran by my chief of staff and communications director, and this was it. Senator Al Franken, Democrat of Minnesota, applauded the Supreme Court today in its decision on Obergefell legalizing same-sex marriage nationwide, but called Justice Antonin Scalia's dissent, quote, very gay. And they wouldn't let me put it out, which I, I regret. 
Uh, our progress on this is is interesting. In 1996, President Bill Clinton signed the Defense of Marriage Act, which said that the federal government would not recognize same-sex marriage. When Barack Obama ran in 2008, he was against legalizing same-sex marriage nationally. Now, I ran that same cycle. The, the evening before I announced, and this is in February 2007, uh, Franny and I had a number of, of our friends and supporters over to our place in Minneapolis, and I told them what we were up to. And a, a good friend of ours who was kind of a mucky-muck in the human rights campaign, that's the largest LGBTQ lobbying organization in the country, and he said, oh, don't say you're for same-sex marriage, you'll lose. And I said, well, I, we, I've got a, then I got a problem, which is that I am for same-sex marriage. And I think my approach to all of this is, is that I'm going to just say what I'm for and what I'm against, you know, especially on, on, on issues like this one. I'm just for marriage equality. And not two weeks later, I was asked at some press forum about it. And I said I was for marriage equality and gave all the reasons for it, which is that everyone should have the same rights and be able to see your spouse in the hospital and get insurance together and raise kids. I was the first major party statewide candidate in Minnesota history to say I was for marriage equality. And it caused a bit of a hubbub, but really only among Democrats. And their only problem was, well, can he win? Not is it the right thing to do, but can he win? And that lasted all of a day or two. And that was it. Again, this is February of 2007. We had almost two years till the election. And I don't, I don't think it ever came up again. Every new Democratic candidate who entered that race took the same position. Uh, and after I got the nomination, my Republican opponent, the incumbent Senator Norm Coleman, never brought it up. And not really to his credit, there were just a lot of bigger fish to fry. We were into our seventh year in Iraq, and uh, you'll recall the economy collapsed. So the country had moved on, or so it seemed. Last week, 12 Republican senators voted for the Respect of Marriage Act, but that means that 38 of them didn't. Really? I mean, come on. Okay, and then there's all this anti-Semitism. After uh, Trump had Thanksgiving with Kanye West and this Holocaust-denying white nationalist, uh, Nick Fuentes, I texted a couple of my former Republican colleagues and said, you know, you guys really ought to, like, condemn this. And what I heard back was, no, the more you talk about, you know, this guy and West, and the more popular they become. And I'm thinking, really? And very few Republicans said anything. And then three days later, Kanye West, and that's what I, I just call him, I guess it's Yee, he says, I like Hitler. I like Hitler. And I'm not sure <laughs> whether Kanye is a Holocaust denier or just a big fan of the Holocaust. I mean, what's not to like? Okay. Can you guys, can you former Republican colleagues of mine, please condemn him now? No? No? Really? Well, lots of other stuff going on. An unstable, weird, not smart guy running for the Senate in Georgia with a chance of winning. Uh, brutal, obscene war in Ukraine. Uh, we got a jerk running Twitter now. So let's go to my conversation with Rob Delaney. I, I think you'll find this one very moving, very sad, but so full of, of love and heart mixed with a lot of wisdom, uh, some very raw emotion, uh, and some laughs, you know. For a change. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. 
living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example, let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that means that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're someone who's uh, ready with your emotions. I mean, that's what mm -hmm. this book is largely about. And you'll go yeah. in, in, in the space of a sentence to fury and anger to something hilarious. I, let me, here's something you say about God. Can I read this thing to you? And maybe, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the death of my blue-eyed son, Henry, I often found myself driven by the urge to believe in God so I could live to a very old age, then die and meet him so I could kick his teeth in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted <laughs> to be a cockroach. I wanted to survive the all the horror and the drudgery and the pain didn't even want to do it happily. I just wanted to endure what shouldn't be endured and crawl on elbows and knees over the finish line and tell God to fuck off. <laughs> Thoughts like that genuinely made me smile at the time. And mm -hmm. but I gotta say, the first time through, I wasn't laughing at that shit. Sure. I was just yeah, crying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would read this to my wife uh, and <laughs> I would start crying <laughs> and she'd go, come on. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so Henry is a year old, just short yeah. of a year and he starts vomiting. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I was this weekend with some friends, one is a doctor mm -hmm. and I told her the story about the pediatrician who was older. Yeah. And he's the one who finally figured it out. Right. Uh, and he asked you about was the vomiting. How, how did he put it? He asked me if it was effortless is the word that he used, mm -hmm. um, which was an important distinction because, you know, if you vomit because you've got the flu, you might be thinking, oh, God, am I going to puke? And, you know, trying to not puke and fighting it. And then it's a bodily pretty horrible thing that originates in the gut. And is not pleasant but with henry's vomiting it was as the doctor put it effortless it was it, he all of a sudden just bleh, everything would come up and out and uh there wasn't the retching that accompanied normal vomiting and you know i would later learn the reason for that was that the tumor in his head was creating pressure on the emetic center of his brain so essentially just a button that said vomit immediately was being pushed in his head so it didn't, it didn't, you know, kind of go through the normal uh, process that uh, our vomiting goes through uh, when we vomit. And so that really concerned the doctor. And it was then that he suggested an MRI of his head. And you said to him, I um, said, why would, why, why see if there's something in his head that shouldn't be there? Like a, what, like a tumor? you know, incredulous. And he said, I'm glad you said it. And a cancerous one. 
Yeah. And uh, one that required uh, surgery. Now you're yeah. you're going all this. You're in Great Britain. We are. London, yeah. You're in mm-hmm. London, and all this is done through the NHS. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, which uh, you have incredibly high regard for. And I do. If, and if you read the book, uh, so will the reader. Yeah. Uh, the care that you guys got mm-hmm. um, it, and the caregivers uh, yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, and something that, you know, I, I think that in this country you would get some, a, a lot of that, but it's a, a use. And maybe this isn't the point of this conversation to get into it, but to talk about our two different healthcare systems. Oh, I'm very happy to. I I, I, I talk about that. I, I bet a lot of people wish I would shut up about it. Yeah, yeah and I it's mean, interesting because I was on the um, Health Education, Labor, and Pension Committee. So, and yeah. I was there for the ACA when I got yeah to the Senate. We didn't have it. Um, mm-hmm. I was the 60th vote, and so we were Amazing. able to get it. Yeah. Um, but one thing I don't know if you know, but uh, you're pretty pro- politically aware and literate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we could have gotten Medicare for all or Medicaid yeah. for all yeah. who want it. Yeah. It was called a public option. Yeah. But Joe Lieberman, we had yeah. only we had 60 votes. We needed 60 to pass this thing. Everybody yeah. had a veto and Joe Lieberman vetoed that. Yeah. No, 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 not a good. <laughs> so, no. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing, Joe. Yeah. You know, uh, that was terrible. Because yeah, truly a sin, because we do have different systems and we have different mm-hmm. histories evolved. And you're mm-hmm. you swear by the NHS in this mm-hmm. and rightly so, because you got extraordinary, beautiful care. And and from uh, you got help. Some of the heroes in this are the folks that took care of Henry. Yeah. One thing I would say is, um, you know, I'm sure I have not been in the hospital too much anytime recently in the United States. But, uh, you know, my dad was and and he got great care. And you I mean, you can certainly get wonderful care in the United States. I mean, nurses are tremendous and doctors are good at what they do. And so you'll get great care in the United States usually. But, but the, the thing that the NHS did is that it removed all those phone calls with the insurance companies right. that you have in the United States. Even when you are getting good care, you're devoting a certain amount of time each week or month or day in an intense situation uh, saying, hey, listen, please approve this MRI. Or, hey, I went to the pharmacy and they wanted $615 oh. Because my prescription plan was sold to another company, unbeknownst <laughs> to me, that happens sometimes. And uh, they messed up in the transfer, my login information. So now they want $650 cash for this liquid that my son desperately needs right now, today. So the amount of time that I got to spend with Henry playing with him, holding him, kissing him, you know, dancing around to West Side Story with him and all that amounted to a lot uh, in the course of his illness. So yeah, it's, it's not that you can't get great care in the United States. You, you, you often can, and frequently people do. It's just that uh, we didn't have to waste colossal hours on clerical work and administrative work and to get the stomach churning fear of, is this going to go through? Can I afford? Do I hit the deductible? Mm-hmm. All the insane questions that you have to waste a tremendous amount of time on in a country that you know really ought to be doing better by its citizens. The time you spend with Henry is so valuable to you, obviously. Yeah. Oh, and, God, yeah. and um, you, you know, and you made a decision. You and Leah is your wife. Yeah. Uh, made a decision to take care of each other and your your other two other boys. Yeah. And make sure that all your attention didn't just pour just in the Henry, although it, it does. Yeah, I guess we sort of realized early on, I don't know, we, you know, taking stock at the end of one day or something uh, early on realized, hey, this is going to hit. The, uh, you know what? I actually saw a documentary about brain injuries uh, done by Louis Theroux, 
this was early in Henry's illness. And I remember being struck by the fact that all the families uh, surrounding the patients of the people with brain injuries were changed very dramatically and all their relationships were changed. And everybody was so affected because of the disabilities that can accompany a brain injury and the personality changes that can come with it. So family dynamics can really change in particular with a brain injury. So since Henry was so changed by his illness and surgery, we were like, okay, guess we should probably also look out for each other and for the other kids because we've got, you know, a tidal wave is taking us somewhere else, somewhere different. And so we did, we did thank goodness from fairly early on know that the other kids still needed hugs, cuddles, attention, happy meals, play dates, all that stuff. And we realized you know, that our marriage, my wife and I would, would uh, falter or, or collapse if that didn't receive attention at the same time. Even though it might not be convenient that we had to do that, we still had to do it. And so thank goodness we did. And when you say the effect on, of a brain you know, tumor or mm-hmm. uh, brain illness on the way it changed Henry mm-hmm. was what he could do physically. But it was yeah. the brain stem and not the funnel Correct. lobe. And so he stayed Henry. He was Henry. <laughs> he did. You're right. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the picture you paint of this boy uh, who is uh, sweet mm-hmm. and joy and fun mm-hmm. and beautiful, even when, I mean, and the challenges you had, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that when they did the surgery, he lost the ability to swallow. He couldn't speak. So he learned to sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but my God, what a beautiful child. And what a. Oh, yeah. Um, and wrench. I mean, OK, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, let no. you tell the story of your your son. Well, yeah, I mean, everything you've said is is accurate and correct. One thing I would add is how hard he worked after his surgery to learn things like sign language at the age of one or the how hard he worked in physical therapy to regain skills was just astonishing. I mean, every physical therapy session with him was, I mean, felt like an Olympic gold medal moment to watch him work so hard it was really inspiring and it was also you know i don't think a one-year-old does like what we might need to do in a difficult situation like let's get psyched up you know pep talk time (laughs) like i gotta do this it was just the life the life force in him Mm -hmm. was so powerful and aspirational and robust it was just really really glorious and yeah uh, yeah that's why i mean there's a thousand reasons why his death devastated us but one thing that really hurts is to think of how hard he worked and cancer still killed him you know yeah he wasn't Um, an asshole during this no, no. Um, and <laughs> yeah. he, he burned a lot of calories uh, yeah. to and learning stuff. So it was really beautiful. As I said, the first time through the book, I didn't laugh much, but the hardest I laughed, yeah. you had to take this trach out uh, once a week mm-hmm. and replace it, right? Yeah. And sometimes well, you, once a month. Yeah. Once a month. Okay. And sometimes it bled. Yeah. And you tell this story about i guess maybe a year after henry passed that uh you're in an action movie yeah a comedy action movie yeah and there's a scene where someone has to get shot in the throat yeah can you tell mm-hmm. that a little bit sure yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah i'm doing the show and uh you know people get killed in it and um at one point, uh, my character is to witness someone getting shot in the throat. You know, I'd read the scripts. I knew it was coming and getting ready for it and stuff. And then the day we were going to shoot that, I could feel myself starting to get nervous and like really bodily nervous, you know, like really concerned. Like, am I going to be able to do this? 
And so I went over to the director and the showrunner and I said, listen, guys, um, I got to tell you something about what's what we're going to shoot today and how I'm feeling about it. Um, in taking care of Henry, um, we would have to change his tracheostomy tube once a month. And sometimes that could be a bloody affair. And, you know, more than a few times I saw blood come out of a hole in his throat that was in fact the circumference and size of a bullet hole. So I'm really nervous about today. And they both looked, you know, like ghosts and they were like, Oh my God, that's okay. Wow. Yes. So sorry. We had no idea. Um, and they were, you know, they're good guys. And, um, and they were like, what can we do? Should, should, should we, uh, and I was like, you know what, honestly, even telling you about it and seeing you give a shit <laughs> makes me feel better. You know, I got, I got rid of that big, bad secret. I'm, I think I can do it. And then there was one of the guys like, no, no, that's, I don't know. Listen, should we, should we shoot her in the face? <laughs> no, 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 you can shoot her in the throat. I mean, it's, it's, it's what it says in the script and that's cool. That'll look cool. And people are going to like that. You know, that's good TV shooter in the throat. Um, and they were like, Oh, okay. It was, a and it was just so funny. Yeah. Um, the idea that a guy's idea to help me in a loving <laughs> manner, you know, as a guy who by this point is my friend is like, yeah, should we, should we shoot her in the face? Um, was, well, that, that, uh, that had me laugh and uh, yeah. a big laugh for me. Um, and all credit to my wife. I told her that when that happened, I was like, honey, listen to this. And she's like, get off the phone with me right now and go write that down. That must go in the book. And I was like, oh, oh okay. And so I wrote it. Down. <laughs> no, that was, uh, you know, because uh, now there was there was another path. Can you read from the book? Do you have the book in front of you? Can you? Um, I could. Let's see. I, I don't know how the audio quality will be if i do that how am i sounding right now you sound fine okay, okay. The, the, i i don't know if there's an american version of the book versus a british but mine what on 46 of the yeah. uh heart that works mm -hmm. uh, i dream about henry often yeah i dream he's alive can you read that because okay. i can't read it uh myself without uh uh, without crying sure um i dream about henry often i dream he's alive and in those dreams it's not as though he was never sick he's the henry that might have survived some possible future where he still needed help with a few things so in my dreams i'm still caring for him we do things together i even take him with me to work in some dreams he's recovered and sometimes his cranial nerves have been repaired somehow and it all works out he runs into his mother's arms. He plays with his brothers or even fights with them. And I love it all. Other times I'll dream about a terribly wounded animal that I'm frantically trying to fix, but I don't have the proper tools. I wake myself up crying and struggling to breathe. I love these dreams. They hurt like hell and terrify me and make me feel close to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's true. I you know yeah that's not a pleasant sort of dream to have but you know but i feel still love it because yeah you feel close to him yeah yeah that's now you have three uh three boys again i mean yeah you've had four yeah. boys you've had, had four boys. yeah 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 but he's still with you every day oh yeah yeah, I don't think I say this. I don't know if I do in the book or not. But yeah, Henry, despite being dead, uh, still receives roughly 25% of my parenting energy, um, along with his other brothers. Because, yeah, I mean, he'll always be my son. I'll always be his dad. You know, I don't understand the parameters of our relationship now. I don't. There's a much much more mystery in our relationship but it's certainly still very real well yeah and um how old are your mm -hmm. boys now 11 9 and 4 the 11 and 9 year old the 4 year old was born not long 
after Henry died, but the the older boys, Oscar and Eugene. Eugene, that's right. What's their relationship to their memory of their brother or their yeah well so they were uh not quite four and not quite six when he died you know they had birthdays right after in fact with oscar there was a big sense of relief when henry died on my birthday because it meant that he wasn't gonna die on oscar's birthday which is a few days later so so many feelings about having my son die on my birthday one of them is oh thank god he didn't die on his brother's birthday um because you know when you're a little kid your birthday is important to you and i didn't want to have you know a sort of second (laughs) lower grade but still Mm -hmm. shitty thing happen you know they took incredible care of henry you know they learned how to operate his uh liquid feed and set it up through his stomach tube at night under my observation, I absolutely let my three-year-old operate advanced medical equipment and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and care for his brother. And he was very proud to do it. He took great care in it and did a great job. So they were, you know, as close to him in life as any brothers uh, have ever been anywhere. And then now they talk about him you know henry's spoken about openly in our home you know there's pictures all over the place you know our four-year-old still eats in henry's sort of kind of weird orthopedic swedish high chair that henry would sit in when we ate dinner you know our our not disabled four-year-old uses that and it's too big for it (laughs) but we don't know how to get rid of it and yeah they Talk about him all the other time. Yeah, the nine-year-old had a cardboard box that some package came in the other day, and he wrote the word tumor on it and took it out in the back garden and stabbed it with a kitchen knife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's cool and good and healthy. And, and so they have anger uh, about it and sadness. Our 11-year-old can speak a little more freely about him. Our nine-year-old, it more comes up kind of in storms because they were so close in age and size and, you know, just had that easy intimacy that little tiny people who share DNA have, you know. And and so he'll get very angry and upset about it or sad and and then as he should you know and we hold him and love him and you know tell him how wonderful he was with henry and how much henry loved him and how being sad and angry are perfectly okay we don't and we hold them but we don't tell them you know they're there it'll be okay um i think more maybe we show him it'll be okay by letting him cry or swear or stab a box that says tumor on it and yeah well, you, you've modeled a lot of this too the by the way they see you handle it and part to me as a fan of catastrophe mm-hmm. um one of the things that you know uh doing a comedy show while this is happening mm-hmm. what, what seasons of the show did you do while you knew Henry that had the tumor and was sick. He got diagnosed in between seasons two and three. So after a while, cause I had to work cause we live in central London and we didn't really get paid well until season three. I couldn't afford to not work. So uh, season three, we rented a little office very close to great Ormond Ho- street hospital where Henry was. And we wrote that. Uh, and I could go to the hospital as needed. And then we shot it. And then after that, I just want to ask you about that, um, oh, sure, yeah. which is, and I'm sure everyone is curious <laughs> how you do a comedy show. And I think I know this. I wrote yeah. comedy and, mm-hmm. uh, and you can write comedy. And sometimes writing comedy is a relief. Not yeah, only yeah. you're writing it, you're you're the producer, you're and you're the star, uh, yeah. the co-star with Sharon uh, Horgan, mm-hmm. who's just uh, what a partnership, what a brilliant 
Um, oh yeah. Very lucky. Very, very, yeah. Very lucky to have had that partnership. Well, it's amazing. Very grateful. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's a, a man, woman, comedy writers. Yeah. Uh, and actors and yeah. a comedian and doing a show that is just, it's a unique show has your voice and her voice, mm -hmm. which yeah. we haven't seen before. <laughs> we haven't seen those, those voices and especially put together. And mm -hmm. it's uh, a, a huge international hit. It's in more countries than there are countries, right? Yeah, when I hear that, stat, I'm like I couldn't name those all those countries. I think maybe they're. I think that maybe somebody got a little uh, creative in the number. How many them. countries do they say it's in? It, it says 130 countries. There are uh, not okay. 130 countries. Are there? I don't think that, well, there shouldn't okay. be. That's too many. <laughs> I can't. Do you like like? Uh, are you? I know the answer to this, which is you don't okay. do this. Which is like, I want to know who's dubbing me in Kenya. Oh gosh. Okay, so I mean, here's that's one of those things like, oh, I'd love to know that. I'm not going to yes. find it out, but sure, theoretically, <laughs> that's like one of those. Like when I was a teenager, I used to wonder, like, could I ever ask God how many beers I've drank? You know, like, uh, you know, and that's not something I'm ever going to find out, but it'd be neat to know. Um, but well, you uh, drank a lot of beers. I did drink a lot of beers. I did, yeah. So that would be, uh, yeah. God, I was, you know, the, the joke about the Irishman who uh, finds the genie, you know, the bottle, the genie and rubs it and the genie. Says, um, three wishes. Which. OK, which one? It was um, uh, OK. His Irishman gets the genie and the genie says he mm -hmm. has three wishes. And he says, well, all all the potatoes in Ireland. <laughs> Poof. The, you know this joke? Mm -hmm. No, not a, yet. OK, well, the, and he get, there's a mountain of of, mm -hmm. of uh, uh potatoes appear mm -hmm. and he goes okay now you have uh, secondly you have three he goes okay um um all the potatoes in the world <laughs> and, and boom there's a mountain several mountain ranges of potatoes yeah. he goes okay <laughs> uh he says the irishman the third your third wish and he goes um more potatoes <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, with you, it might have been mm -hmm. all the beer. <laughs> mm, yeah, could have been. Because <laughs> uh, you were, and and uh, you write about that, especially in. Uh, well, you write about that in Mother, Wife, Sister, Human. And you talk, and you write all, about all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and all the other stuff and depression, and it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. It has another. It has a mix. Unlike <laughs> uh, only like a Rob. Uh, Delaney uh, <laughs> book, and so this one does too. Tell me mm -hmm. about the caregivers and yeah. how unbelievable they were, and the reaction of one in particular when sure. you told her that that mm -hmm. the tumor came back. Yeah, so when Henry got out of the hospital, he needed care at home as well, uh, due to the fact that he had uh, what they call an unsafe airway. Uh, because he was two, he couldn't be responsible for the care of his state-of-the-art tracheostomy tube uh, with an inflatable cuff on the inside of it. And it's, you know, very uh, amazing development, but also it can go from zero to deadly in a second if there's an obstruction or anything goes wrong. So at that age, you can't even sleep unaccompanied. And so for that reason, he needed to be watched while he slept by a live human being. There wasn't like a monitor that you could hook up because he could roll over. You know, you're not going to staple him to the bed each night. So he rolls over, something gets obstructed. So, you know, there's what here is called social care, um, you know, home care, which our council borrow might be another word for it provides. And so he had somebody that would just sit in the corner of his bedroom in our house and watch him sleep. And the people who did this were really wonderful. You don't have to be a fully qualified nurse. You know, you don't have to be an RN or anything to do this. You have to have a few, you know, they call them bands. You have to achieve a certain band level to be alone with a kid who has a tracheotomy. 
And of course, first, it's weird to have somebody in your house in the middle of the night who you might, you know, see when you go to pee at, you know, 2.15 a.m. or whatever. But Christ, do I still wish they were here now, you know, and that because that would mean that Henry was alive. But yeah, these are wonderful people who, uh, you know, are not being paid a big, fat hourly rate who made it possible for my wife and I to sleep at night so that we could then parent Henry during the daytime and the evening and the early morning, you know, and his other brothers as well and work, you know, and live uh, without them. We wouldn't have been able to function. I, I don't know what would have happened, but I promise it would have been bad. You know, we would have screwed up in his care due to fatigue at some point. So that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, that fell under the auspices of what they call social care over here, which, you know, Medicaid um, might provide uh, in the United States for certain uh, people who are, are quite disabled. And the thing that you're talking about is one of his night cares, um, a woman named Rachel was caring for him the night after we found out that his tumor had returned and that he was going to die. And I, you know, took her side and I said, I need to tell you that, uh, you know, we got the results of, of Henry's MRI and it's bad. Um, his cancer has returned and, you know, kind of let that sit for a second. And there is not anything that they can do at this point. And he is going to die. After a moment, Rachel began to really yell and say, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no, God, no. Oh, Christ, no. And um, I was just blown away by her response. I mean, I really loved it. It really made me feel sane and normal and good because she was having, you know, quite a visceral response to, you know, the worst type of news I've ever had to deliver to anyone. And of course I had to tell a lot of people that, and, uh, I did not get any responses that were as good as that one. And yes, of course I ranked them. Um, of course, you know, <laughs> um, and there's so it, much of that. Yeah. In the book too. That, yeah. That's what, um, uh, when you tell this story, about Rachel, you're mm -hmm. loving and grateful, mm -hmm. but so much of the book is also dark and angry. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And railing at people, uh, you know, who don't, uh, do you have advice for, <laughs> well, like one, one of the pieces of advice you have for people is, um, what can I do for you? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah. If there's anything I can do, yeah. if there's anything I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and what um, is your advice to those <laughs> you know when you ask that question you're asking that for you you're checking a little sort of emotional clerical box for yourself that's not for them because what you can do is go run home and make a mediocre casserole quickly and uh and then deliver it to their house you know or go wrestle them to the ground take their socks and shoes off and give them a foot massage that they you know their feet probably haven't been touched by another person in some time you know rub their feet clip their toenails you know what i mean go uh, clean their kitchen you know that i mean what that would do for somebody in a situation like that i mean you can't put a price tag on that People often say like, oh, what should I say in this situation? And the answer to that really is nothing. There's nothing you can say, as expressed more eloquently by uh, Mary Shelley and her wonderful book, Frankenstein, which I talk a lot about in the book. But no, there's nothing, there's no words that can help. There are actions that can help a lot. And you know what they are. They're the things that you'd like to have done for you when you're in, <laughs> in extremis. Okay, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break. We'll be right back with Rob Delaney. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. 
with SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5. This foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're back with Rob Delaney. Uh, we're talking about his book, A Heart That Works. How's your dad? Is your dad um, very sick, right? Or is he? Yeah, well, Al, I'll tell you that uh, three days after the book came out in the UK, my dad, Bob, died. Mm. Um, And I was with him um, in a nursing home in Boston. I barely made it there. I had been uh, with him a lot over the last year, which had been wonderful. And, uh, yeah, he got leukemia. He had it for two years. It started out as a, as a sort of less intense blood cancer. And then about a year ago, it turned into a couple types of leukemia. And, uh, and then he died uh, just a month ago now. You write in the book about this, and this is very mm-hmm. typical of kind of the honesty in the book. Of yeah. sort of like going, you're 71 or however yeah. old he yeah. was. You're yeah. supposed to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's sort of the tone I want the the listener to understand because it's stri- that's what strikes me about this book is that you're you write about your dad, yeah, probably dying, and yeah, you you just go like, okay fine yeah so, <laughs> you know <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's it's so it's a complex sort of stew of emotions um all, all and, of this is yeah so a, a big sad aspect of it for me is that uh, Hen- as my dad took such incredible care of henry he was here in london all the time and he became highly skilled he became one of the very few people who was allowed to be alone with Henry, not by us, but just by like, you know, medical protocol for, for Henry's situation due to how much he learned about uh, pediatric tracheotomies and caring for them. So he was just amazing. So in addition to missing my dad, whom I love desperately, uh, it's also a link to Henry uh, that has now, I don't want to say gone, but, you know, metamorphosized to a, a whole new thing that I'm, you know, working to understand and, and probably never will. So losing your 74-year-old dad is not as grueling and brutally awful as losing your two-year-old child because it's more the natural order of things. So I write, a, I'll read a sentence from the book. Okay. Um, this is about that. And you go, but I was mm-hmm. never, ever far from the thought. This is what's supposed to happen. What happened to Henry wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm a grandpa. Yeah. And uh, man, oh, man. Um, I, I, if I were him, I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. you said, dad, I just, I'm sorry. I yeah. really said, <laughs> You're, I love you. You've been a great yeah. dad or not, but you've been a great dad. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I'm so sad you're going, but I, yeah, yeah. you know, and if yeah. I were him, I go, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. My wife's dad, um, said early after we discovered that Henry had the tumor, you know, he said, I wish 
I wish it was me. And I said, we all do, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's and, right. Um, and everybody and, uh, laughed, right? Everybody laughed. <laughs> yes, that's I recall that. That's a healthy. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, in that family. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you know there's some families where they get mad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've all we find we can get mad at each other for our weird idiosyncrasies, you know, and I'm sure we would do stuff. We'd be like, well, glad I'm not in that family. But in that yeah. realm, in that realm, we're, we're doing all right. You're a member of a club. Parents who've lost their kids. Yeah. Yeah, I sure am now. Yeah. You know, are a lot of you, you bond with those folks. And is that something that that's a big part of your life or if you move? Oh, on? Yeah. It's a, it's very, very important to me. Um, you know, I swam this morning in a local pond with another bereaved mom that I met through my bereaved parents group. And, um, I started doing that cause my wife has always done that. And there's a community, it's all moms, <laughs> none of the bereaved dads <laughs> swim, okay. but I like, I like to swim. So I go, but, uh, I, and I, really love spending time with with parents who've lost kids because you know we could just communicate on a sort of deeper level we just have a sort of baseline i guess that we're operating from that so it's always there but yeah um at the same time you have the same laughter you have the same yeah everything yeah that everybody else has mm -hmm. but it's also there yeah. And, and I don't have to explain it or sort of even, and I try not to like, and yet I'm things. asking you to explain it. No, no, no. I mean to say like, <laughs> no. it, it, Hey, you know, Hey, well, that's what this is for. You know what I mean? It one day, if you can deliver your <laughs> podcast through a smell that, uh, that enters an older part of the brain <laughs> okay. and words do, you know, we'll, we'll do it that way. But for now, this is the best we can do. And, um, but like sometimes if I'm talking to someone who hasn't lost a kid, I might try to sugarcoat something even unconsciously. Cause I don't want to horrify them, you know, but with a, I, I don't have to waste that energy when I'm with another bereaved parent, I can just go for it. And they're like, yeah, Oh God, of course. Yeah. I felt the same way or, Oh yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. And so it, it's just a little easier to i don't know let down my hair uh so to speak uh with people who get that but it doesn't have to be you've lost a kid you know i had i've had the good fortune recently to um become friends with a guy who's a veteran of um multiple tours in iraq and afghanistan because of the stuff that he's been through both on the battlefield and then with his own mental health with re-entry and leaving the military and re-entry into civilian life you know he and i can chat about you know we can go deep fast and it's a very easy uh communication but i i do find it, it's easier for me to relax with people who've uh <laughs> i don't know at least had, had a some glimpse. trauma yeah, who've had a glimpse into the mouth of hell yeah. it, it, people who have experienced things that or would be like, for example, on your top five list of things you wouldn't want to experience. You know what I mean? That anybody wouldn't, you know. I, I just let's lighten it up. I want to talk about okay. the sec, sex scenes and catastrophe. Of course. Yes. A natural That's segue. A yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I always thought were interesting because mm -hmm. um, it, it was never like, let's make love. Yeah. That's I love you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> darling <laughs> yeah it was uh let's have sex yeah and and the way you depicted it we saw your ass a lot yeah <laughs> too much perhaps yeah mm -hmm. oh well some people <laughs> would say never too much some other others might say uh way 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 too much yeah. uh but one of my favorites was when you had the neck brace oh and, god yeah and she didn't want to see it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah uh so you you arranged uh kind of uh so she didn't have to look at you uh, precisely so yeah 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 that is. and <laughs> yeah. then but then she saw you in a reflection i know god god damn that was funny and this, <laughs> you guys are fucking hilarious together oh thank you and also Thanks. what i liked about it is 
is that uh, you are both at times awful to each other. Yeah. And what I love about you yeah. is that you embrace how, <laughs> you know, in that show and in your books, and mm-hmm. you talk about fucking up all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we all do. You know, it's funny because that reminds me of a line that Sharon's character said that I happen to know that happens to come out of my uh, pen, uh, which was she's yelling at Rob and it's me yelling at me is what is happening. In the scene. <laughs> right. You and, 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 and she says, um, good people hurt other people. That's part of being an adult, you know. And um, it happens, you know, not everybody has to like you all the time. And that to me really sums it up. If you survive to adulthood and then middle age and beyond, part of your journey is going to be hurting other people. That does not mean that you're consigned to hell forever. And it's profoundly unfortunate if you don't have, find, or create the opportunity to correct course and fix things, but you're not irredeemable because you've hurt people. You're a human being because you've hurt people and you hurt people because you're human. You can't not if you, unless you live alone in a mountain and then you're probably breaking the heart of your mom or whatever, and you're hurting her that way. But like, we're going to hurt people. And then the cool thing about being a human being is that we can fix it or at least try to. And so, yeah, that was one thing we wanted to convey in Catastrophe was that nobody's beyond the pale um, and, and beyond help and beyond love, you know? So that was Catastrophe. Some people say like, oh God, you know, like I just so watch that and think, oh, I'm glad I'm not in that relationship. Uh, and to me, it's like, okay, if that's how you feel. But for me, Catastrophe is a show about love. Mm-hmm. And about about doing the daily maintenance and then when you're not doing the daily maintenance about grappling with that and then trying to go back and cram and fix it which you can't and so then you have to you know do something have to have a big paradigm shift to fix it and so yeah catastrophe for me is a love story uh and it's not a sexy one it's like an endurance one and uh, it's like a the marathon of love stories rather than a sprint well there's a sensibility, the same sensibility in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this, this is an amazing book to me. Well, thank you. It, it's, um, and it, you're an amazing writer. Um, and you're, you have, a uh, an ability to find in yourself and, uh, all these different conflicting, feelings and emotions and and anger and rage and pain and love in a way that uh, i haven't i haven't uh, seen anyone else do but it's mm. it's it's you it's the, other people have done that believe me <laughs> in the history of literature but um uh or in right but you do it in your way that I just find remarkable and is a gift. You're very kind. Thank you. And I've admired you for decades. So to hear it from you means a lot. So thank you. Well, I I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.